You know, when we get together and we get to worship, we get to sing about our love and the change that's happened in our life. When we come together as a community, it really is a celebration. And uh, I hope you get to experience how wonderful Driftwood is. The family here is. And I hope you appreciate the depth of the love and the care that this place has. It's very unique. And even the care for our children. And uh, if you have children right now, and they would rather be running around and having a great time. Terry and Fernanda are going to take them downstairs, and they're going to have a wonderful time learning God's Word and being Woo! excited. So if you got kids, ready? One, two, three, go! And if you're an adult, kid at heart, you're welcome to go. Yeah, two kind of want to go. There's some of you. You guys can go ahead and be seated. I don't know if you've picked up on the driftwood is a little different. Has anybody picked up on that? If you've been here 10 minutes or since the beginning, driftwood is a little bit different. And I want to tell you who I am. Uh, my name's Steve. I'm a church planter here in South Florida, and I'm a fan of driftwood. The family of driftwood. I don't even call you a church. You're a family. Because from the outside looking in, I see you love and care for each other in ways that are just so unique that if you look around this room and you look at the different lives that are represented of where you're at, where you've come from, and who you are now, that that is really a blessing, a testimony to how good the Father is. And when we come together, we can't just let that go. We can't just let those moments pass by where we don't celebrate that. And we're going to do, we're going to be a little bit different because I'm not Eddie. Whoever realized that I'm not Eddie? <laughs> Eddie is awesome. And the way that he has poured out his life and his family has poured out his life, I know that you feel that. Who feels that? Every week. You feel that during the week. You've got someone who is so passionate about loving the Father that it comes across and shows in its love for you. And I just want to take a moment and thank God for that goodness. Thank God for this community. Thank God for Pastor Eddie and his family. And I want to thank God for you that we get to come together and celebrate all of this and that we get to hear from him. And then I'm going to kind of tell you where we're going and where we're going to land the plane. I like to tell you where we're going first before you get on the plane. Does that sound good? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to experience you in this place together. Lord, we can experience you anywhere. There is no place that you are not. In the darkness, Lord, in the brokenness, you are there, ready and waiting to bring healing. Lord, for some of us today, we are overwhelmed by life. Lord, we are, we are hurt. Lord, we have no vision of hope. Lord, you are ready. Lord, there are people here that can easily stand up and scream and shout, Hosanna. Lord, that the yearning inside of them is that you are a good father. Lord, you've brought us together. That we may celebrate, that as brothers and sisters we may hold each other's hands. Lord, that we may hear from you and be assured that by your word and by your spirit together. Lord, let all that we do today glorify you. May we bring healing to one another. Lord, may we be used 
to care and show your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, just so you know, I'm going to tell you a little bit about me. And then what I'd like to do today is go into the Word. And all I'm asking today is for you not to judge so much what I say, but to listen to the Word and allow it to reflect back in your life. And I want to go ahead and guard your heart because I care for you. Because I've got a brother named Eddie that I really care for. His love for you kind of rubs off on me, even though I may not know you as well as he does. But at the moment when you are exposed to God's word and it becomes heavy and you are pressed with guilt and shame, I would ask that you hold on and that you look with an eye of hope. That today we're going to look through the scripture And I hope that you don't see conviction, but you see a pathway to experience life and life unto the full. That you get to really do experience seeing life from God's, from his perspective. So much so that you're going to have a yearning to share that with others. Because there's too many people that get exposed to God's word and it causes something in us. It shows us for who we really are. And I don't know about you, but most times I don't like that vision. That's kind of why I like Driftwood, because we're messy. I think someone said we're church live. Okay, we're not, we're not polished, but that goes along with who we are, that we can come up here and be real, we can show the faults, we can experience the brokenness, and we can travel toward a pathway of better life. So who I am, real quick is I'm a church planter here in South Florida. My entire family lives here. And our focus is on reaching the 18 million who are far from God. We've got a burden for the 89% of the population of Florida. And part of what compels that burden, we are thoroughly convinced. We don't know how you feel about this, but for us, we are thoroughly convinced that the people that are far from God will not get, will not get to experience life and life unto the full. And that includes an eternity. So when I see someone who's far from God, I no longer have contempt because I realize that was me. And when I hear statistics like 190,000 people die a year in Florida, and if you use that same stat, that means 170,000 die far from God. It's like one every three minutes, isn't it? Now, I'd served in the church for over 15 years, and everything I did there was good. But I had to be honest with myself when I looked out into the landscape. There were a lot of people who weren't looking for the church. They didn't see the church as an answer. And then someone challenged me with scripture and said, okay, do you love them enough to go to them? And I can tell you the answer for our family was yes. So we go out where it's messy. We go out where people are real. We go out where there's lots of opportunity to have a critical heart. And yet we find God is already working in their hearts. So if you want to, if you want a little encouragement, I'll offer you this. After today, you can contact me anytime this week. I will sit down and I will wear your ear out telling you story after story. These guys are smiling because they know it literally will be wearing your ear out, won't it? Of story after story of someone who was far from God 
and accepted the full forgiveness of Jesus Christ and now is following his ways. And that this world is full of people. I shared with a waitress about three days ago in a restaurant that me and my friends go to almost once a week. And she'd never heard the gospel. I knocked on the door of a family and asked if there's anything I could pray for. And you know what they said? We've never had anybody pray for us. To them, it was the most loving act that I would come to them and share that. So that's who I am. And I tell you that because you're going to hear a lot of that in what we talked about today. I don't think I could stop that part of my heart coming out. We're going to look at five different scriptures. Everybody say five. Five. I know you're an interactive crowd, so I can ask you to do that kind of stuff. So I'm going to be offended if you don't act a little bit. And I'm going to do like Pastor Eddie. I'll call you out. If, you know, if I think you're zoning out there watching the dolphins, I'll, 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 I might call you out. So we're going to turn to Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27. And you might actually, uh, who, raise your hand if you, is this, this seems a little familiar. Who has read this story before? All right, it's pretty familiar. Let's read it together. In verse 24, it starts off by saying, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. Oh, you're going to read with me? Awesome. All right. It's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. All right. Next one. I can read it from here if you want. Okay. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. All right. So, who can tell me what's the difference in the two people in the story? One knows the rocks Jesus built on Jesus, not the world is saying. Yes, it's strong. You know, I'm an, I've got a gra- almost a graduate degree in bi- biblical studies. And if you would have asked me a couple years ago, this is what I would have said. It's all about the foundation all about the foundation but someone had to open my eyes and show this is showing two different hearts go back and read that the one who obeys is like a man who builds his house on a firm foundation what's the same about these two people who can tell me what's the same what's happening to them both they both heard that's right they both went through storms Raise your hand if you ever went through a storm. Okay? Raise your hand if you know someone going through a storm right now. Raise your hand if you know anyone that doesn't have a lot of hope about the outcome of that storm. You know, for myself, I think there's a lot of time that my sole job is to have hope where others don't have hope. Part of what this scripture promises is that those who are willing to obey find that there's a foundation that just can't be unsettled. So I want you to use this scripture as a mirror for your life. 
Are there things that you know in your heart God really wants you to do? Is there a way that you know in your heart that God really wants you to live that way? Now remember I said that's going to come with a little bit of conviction. But can you have the hope that this scripture is promising you that by obeying, instead of finding calamity and your house falling with a great crash, you get to have a firm foundation. You're found secure. If you're promised that, does that give you the boldness and the hope to try it out? How many things in your life right now would you say, hey, if I trust God with this, my business is going to go under. I'm not going to have enough money. I don't have enough time. People are just going to treat me wrong. They're not going to talk to me anymore. How many of those lies are you believing? How many of those scenarios are you creating in your mind already? It's going to be too inconvenient. My kids are going to hate me. I don't know if my wife or my, my husband's going to understand. We get challenged by this word. And what I would ask of you is, is it worth trusting where God is going to take you? Is it worth challenging the scriptures and saying, God, you say, if I obey you, if I put myself out there, then I'm going to find a firm foundation. Now, I want to guard your heart for just a moment. This is not promising the storm is not going to come. You guys realize that? It is not promising that things are going to be all okay and rosy. Actually, if you look at the ministry of Jesus, it would have been hard to be his disciple. I would have been one of those skeptical dudes that every time Jesus told me to get in the boat, I'd be asking, okay, how big is the storm going to be when we get out there? You'll notice in the scriptures you go through, like every time there's a calamity when he tells them to go somewhere. It's like he's seasoning them. He's getting them ready. You can face these trials. You can face these challenges. So for the first part, I want you to really reflect. Am I willing to obey? Am I willing just to obey? If I hear it in the word, if I'm convinced in this community and by the spirit, are you willing to obey? Are you willing to trust and hope that God has something better for you? And it's worth the risk. But I don't want to leave you just there. Let's go to the next one. So Matthew 13. All right. Read this with me together. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all that he had and bought that field. I wonder if we hear that. You know, this goes along with several parables. There's one after this one about pearl of great price and finding a treasure. That's part of when I started out here recognizing how unique this community is. You need to treasure that. The relationships that you have, the people that you can go to and honestly share and be vulnerable, 
You need to treasure that. If you don't have that, you need to long for it as, it, as if it is a treasure. But even more so, the kingdom of heaven. That's what this represents here. You need to long for this to grow and to be healthy. How do you feel about him hiding it again and then selling everything that he has? Selfish. Is it selfish? Yeah. We want to share it, but doesn't also show the value of it. He's afraid it's going to be stolen away. That's really what I hear in that heart. I try to look at it a little bit more hopefully. It's so valuable, he's afraid it's going to be stolen away. I only bring that up because we can have such a good community and we can have such good relationships. And if we take them for granted, they could be stolen away, couldn't they? If we don't invest in them and create sacrifice, like, hey, it's worth it for me to lose everything to gain Christ. I could have picked hundreds of other scriptures, especially through the epistles and what we see in Acts, where you hear again and again the people of God say, if I lose everything, my life, my family, my treasure, everything, I consider that all rubbish compared to knowing him. I wonder if we could be so selfish to say it's worth living that kind of way that people would see these people really value the treasure that they found in who Christ is and what he's done for them. They're not going to give it up for anything. They don't care if it's ridicule. They don't care if it's persecution. Could we treat the kingdom of heaven as if it's a treasure that we wouldn't give up for anything? You know, it's a lot easier when you get into the obey. See how these are stepping on each other? When you're willing to obey and say, no matter what, I'm going to obey. It's a really easy leap at that point to say, I'm going to find you as my treasure. So there's nothing more important to you. And because I love you, I have to tell you that. Do you realize that that's true? Because when you walk out of here, who could raise their hand? How many other things are going to be trying to capture your attention and be your treasure? It's, I'm not mean to pick on hunt season, but it's me too. Jack knows I'm speaking to myself just as much as I am to anyone. It's lobster season. It's hunting season. It's shopping season. The kids are going to school. Woohoo! Or in our family, we're a little sad. Kids are going to school. We're going to miss them because they do make the, our family a lot of fun. How many things are going to capture you? I need a new car. Something broke in the house. I feel like my job as a dad is to walk in the house and figure out what's broke so I can fix it. That's like a full-time job with me. But maybe it's not even those material things. Sometimes we put those material things in bad light. But what if it's, hey, I want this for my son and daughter. You know, I know my wife would really like this. Nobody would think that was bad, right? You know, I want to go do this for someone else. I just want a quiet moment. 
Somebody said amen right there. Amen. amen. That's a quiet moment. but you understand the things that you love can unsettle you the most it's when your spouse comes in and asks for that one more minute to have that really hard talk that you need to have that's when you lose it right it's not with everyone else We start to show what our treasure is when we start defending that. When we're selfish about it. You're right. Part of the scripture is showing in our heart when we're selfish about something, when we want to hide it away, when we want to protect it. That's what we really show is our treasure. For some of it's our time. For some of us it's our kids. For some of us it's our stuff. For some of us, it's an experience. I want you to have a hopeful look at what the scripture is saying here. That regardless of what you think the treasure is in this world, the kingdom of heaven is much richer. I can tell you for me and my family, we have seen, and I'm not going to overstate this, this has been one of the hardest seasons in our life to plant churches. But I can attest, and you can ask my wife to see if I'm lying. It's also been the richest time of our life. We've never felt more secure when we've been given every reason not to feel secure. And I want to ask you, aren't those the people that you admire? I don't say that for me because we'll only see each other infrequently. But when you look at other people of faith, don't you admire the people that are sacrificing? Did you see them giving up that like... I can't believe you're doing that. I can't believe you're giving me 10 more minutes of time so you can hear my problems when I know you're struggling. Can you be that for someone else? Can you be someone who's radically willing to obey and who is radical about the kingdom of God is my treasure? If someone was looking at your life from the outside in, what would they say your treasure was? What's your go-to when somebody's going to sit down and talk to you? What is the most valuable thing to you that you would guard and be afraid to lose? I didn't include the scripture, but Jesus had this uncanny ability that when he got a crowd, it didn't last for long. He would always say these hard sayings because he was speaking to people's hearts. But it really was out of love. That's a whole other sermon. But one of them he did say, you want to follow me? You got to hate your mother and father. You got to hate your family. Do you think Jesus really meant that they would hate? Or that that wasn't your treasure? That if you stop following the kingdom of God because of them, You'd be poorer, wouldn't you? So we need to be that brave that we can. All right, Matthew 28. Let's read it together. Who's read this one before? Yeah, let's read it together. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. Praise God. All right. Who's speaking here? Who? All right, good job. See, that was the easy one. All right, what's he telling you to do? Go make disciples. What's a disciple? One that follows. So we got the obey and the treasure, teaching them everything that I command. What's promised here? Yeah? To the very end of the age. Who could do with a little bit more Jesus? How many people do you know that if you ask them, I just need to spend a little bit more time with God. I, I just need a little bit more God. What's that? Yeah. Well, I've had people say that and they don't even say that they trust who Jesus is. But how many Christians do you know that's, that's their everyday experience? I just need a little bit more Jesus. I just need a little bit more Jesus. And most of them, I, I really have to believe my hope is, they're so addicted to Jesus they can't get enough. But then I'm also challenged by this scripture. Do you guys realize what it's saying here? He's given you a kingdom purpose that comes out of learning to obey and treasuring the kingdom now he's making a promise that if you go and make disciples, I'll be with you to the very end of the age. How confident are you that you can say, he is with me? Let me ask it a different way. Are there moments where you could be really honest and say, there's times when I doubt and I'm not sure if he's here. Yeah. I'm be honest. There's times when I'm sitting there talking with someone in their living room and I'm like, I got no answers for this. This is way out of my ballpark. There's times in my life when I'm sitting there thinking, I just don't have it. I, I don't know, God, I don't know why you called me. You must have had it wrong. And then I remember this promise. It's the last thing that Jesus said to his followers before he left. Does that seem a little important to us all? You know, I think that's why in church tradition we have made this such an important call for every Christian. To go make disciples. To teach others how to follow. But it's coupled with a weighty promise that I will never leave and forsake it's at this moment that you see those who follow Jesus, those, those men and later the men and women that were there that heard this message. They went from a bunch of bumbling buffoons who got it wrong at every mark. And if you don't believe me, go back and read it. But after this, they got spines of steel. The language shift that happens after this is you can't tell me that there's anything in this world worth more. 
and I'm going to go make disciples and tell other people about it. So much so that the Apostle Paul persecuted the church, meets Jesus on the road to Damascus, and we're assured that he gets this message as well. And what's he go from? I'm the Pharisee of Pharisees. I know, I know all about God. To I know nothing, and I consider all that rubbish. I'd rather pour my life out. You see the change in heart? I hope you're getting encouraged by this message. That through obedience you get a foundation that's life. That by exchanging every other lie and gaining the treasure, which is the kingdom of God, you're going to find something worth celebrating that you shouldn't give up. And that you hear directly from your king that all authority has been given to him. There's no one above him. He wants to make sure you know that. And he wants to make sure that you know the importance that going out and making disciples, you should have the assurance he's never going to leave you. That you've got a kingdom purpose in mind for what he's going to do. But that has to be coupled with who you are. So go to 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Or we can read it up here on the screen. Maybe. Maybe. It's coming. All right, let's read it together. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Amen. Amen. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Amen. All right, next part. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I'll tell you, I have to practice that last line a lot. That's a lot of reconciliation. Who can raise their hand and tell me, what's reconciliation mean? To make it right. Right. So here we are given the ministry of reconciliation. Now, there's two things that this scripture calls us. Who can pick out the two things, or at least one of the two things? Ambassadors. <clears throat> ambassadors. That's right. What's an ambassador? Someone that represents. What else does it call us? What's in verse 17? It's not on the screen, so you have to, you have to go back and look on the scripture and remember. Remember what it called you new? You're a new creation. How many believe that they're a new creation? You know that that's a miracle, right? That scripture is actually saying there's nothing like you've ever been created ever. You're a brand new creation in Christ. That means no matter what you've done or what's been done to you, you're a brand new creation. But that's coupled with that second thing that you're an ambassador. So you can't claim to be new and accept the forgiveness of God, and then not live to represent his kingdom. Do you get that? 
These things are connected and they can't be broken. So we need to embrace that identity that we are those who are called by God to show others. I even love the second part of that verse. It's as if you're an ambassador. It's as if God is making his appeal through you. Do you guys realize that God is ready to use you to make his appeal to others? Do you believe it will be you and not me? Do you believe it will be you and not Pastor Eddie? Do you see yourself with the identity that God is ready to use you to reach the people whom you love? If you're around me any amount of time, I hope that you hear this. I hope you hear me challenging you with this one statement. What would your world look like if the people you love, not strangers, not people you don't know yet, we'll get to them in a minute, but just the people you love, what if they accepted the full forgiveness of God and they started following his ways for real? How would that change your life? Anybody? Would this be a good thing or a bad thing? Great. I want to tell you, all across the world where I've been, and I've asked that question, I've never had anybody say bad. Even an atheist. I've even had a voodoo priest tell me, that'd be good. I'll tell you that story later. Well, I'll tell you that one real quick. God, I can't let that one slide. I shared the gospel with a guy and come to find out afterwards that he is a voodoo priest. And then he tried to convince me that anything he asked for, he can get. And, you know, that God has empowered his hands. Do you know where he was telling me that? In an emergency room. <laughs> with his sick grandchild. Now, I don't say that to be spiteful or funny, but it broke my heart as this grandfather is sitting there claiming to have all of this power and authority with a sick grandchild. I don't know if you've ever had a sick kid. That breaks your heart, doesn't it? You'd do anything for them not to be sick. And he wouldn't let go. And I sat there and pleaded with him. Because I believed for a moment, God, you're going to make your appeal for goodness through me right now. And I told the man, I've got five kids. And when they're sick, it breaks my heart. And I pray and plead, and God has done miraculous things. I told him about how I've seen God heal people. And that God does do that stuff. And would you trust in a free forgiveness? And choose to follow his ways. Would you turn from this? And he sat there and said no. As much as it broke my heart, I had to leave that brother in peace. I'd made my appeal. But you think about how it would change your world if the people you love knew this. How many people know somebody that doesn't know Jesus? How many people know somebody that really does need to know Jesus? Yeah. Will you accept the identity that it's going to be you? I mean, if we just got real for a moment, will you accept the identity that it's going to be you that reaches it?
Would you look at this scripture and would you not only, remember I said, let the conviction weigh on your heart, but look with hope. God wants to give you all the power and all the authority to do this. So any lie that you're believing right now that, oh, they won't talk to me anymore, they won't, this won't work, they're not going to listen, they're going to say no like that voodoo priest. I'll tell you, it's different when you're talking about a loved one. My parents are here, and they will tell you, my younger sister for many years resisted accepting Christ. I was the most awesome brother ever. Every Christmas, I got our King James Bible. (laughs) It's what everybody wants for Christmas, right? I was that annoying brother. You know, when she came to Christ, she would call me like every week and tell me how I don't pray enough and I don't read the word enough. Anybody known that kind of Christian? The little baby Christian, when they get out, man, they are, they are on fire. Don't put the fire out. I'm telling you right now. Throw the gasoline on them. Let them burn. You know what I said? My older sister called me and she said, I hate it. She's always called me and say, I don't pray enough. I don't read the word enough. And I said, yep. And I'm a pastor at a church, by the way. That helps give a little perspective. So she's calling me telling me I don't pray enough and I don't read the word enough. And you know what I said? You're right. You're right. Because you know what, Sharon? I'll take you being passionate every day of your life and telling me I need to pray more. Then I'll take you being on the other side of eternity. And that was misguided. And I was wrong to get you a Bible every Christmas. She literally has a stack of King James Bibles. I don't know where they are in her house. Maybe she got rid of them. Hopefully she gave them away. I gave her a Bible she couldn't even read. But you know what? I knew in my heart there was no one else going to reach her except me. Because I knew my sister. We'd been through thick and thin. She'd seen the worst of me. I'd seen the worst of her. I'd seen the best of her. Somehow she sees good in me. I don't know why. I really picked on that girl. I need to repent. But the truth of the matter is, are you willing to sacrifice your time and inconvenience to see that happen? Are you willing to be that disciple maker? When I tell you that we need to celebrate this community, it's with that in mind. That Driftwood is more than a location. It's more than a hangout vibe. You are much more than that. And it comes from your leadership and it shows in your life. You are the testament to what God is doing in in their lives. That they so yearn for you to accept this to embrace this, to have the boldness that I will obey no matter what, even when I'm facing a storm, that I will see the kingdom of heaven as a treasure that I would give everything up for. I'm not even making a list anymore. If I got it, it's the kingdom's. That you're willing to look forward and say, hey, I got a purpose. I've been given an identity, and this is who I am. This is who I'm going to be. I'm an ambassador. You can't stop me from being an ambassador. And I want to leave you with that vision, John 17, 20. This is Jesus praying. He says this, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. This is Jesus praying out loud. It's one of the few times they record him praying out loud. 
And he does so for our benefit. He's praying for his disciples. He knows it's time for him to leave, and he knows they don't understand. I'm about to go. Where are you going to go, Lord? We followed you everywhere. We get in this boat every time you tell us to, and there's always a storm. Every time you get a crowd, you run them off, and then you tell us to feed them, and we ain't ever got any food, and we still haven't figured this out yet. We can't do this without you, Jesus. Lord, I pray for them. He's praying to his Father. I pray for them, but not only for them, but whom will believe because of them. I want your vision to be more than just the people you love. Because the people you love have people that they love that you don't know, right? The people that they know know someone that you don't even know they don't know, right? It's going to get really confusing quick, can it? So we've got a vision, and that's part of what we're planting churches, not just to plant little churches. As a team, I work with a team, and we've planted over 112 churches here locally in South Florida. But most of that comes from not just us planting a church, but the churches that we plant plant a church. The people in those churches go make disciples and then have a vision that they could get together and share God together and have a community and call themselves a church. And that happens not to one generation, but the next generation and to the fourth generation. We're praying that in Florida, we will see a fourth generation church in every zip code. Does anybody know how many zip codes are here? Okay, 1,400, give or take 10 or 20. We're praying for that. Because when we know when that happens, when God's people accept and be obedient, that see God as a treasure, that take on that kingdom purpose and identity, that you can't help but want to share this with others. And that your vision will go from the people that you love to the people that you don't know. And suddenly you have a heart for people who are far from God in other lands. And I come here today not to cast any negativity. I want to celebrate you that that's who you are. But is there any time in our Christian walk that we don't need to hear this over and over again? Is there any time that we don't need to stir each other's hearts with stories again and again of someone who is far from God coming to faith? I want to encourage you, don't only celebrate how wonderful Driftwood is. And I really want you to endear and care for the leadership that's here as they pour out their life. But I want you to embrace the vision that God has cast into your life by Scripture, not by me. That God's Word truly does say this. You're the answer. You're the answer to the brokenness you see every day. God wants to use you to be the healing and care in someone else's life. And to be quite honest with you, some of the turmoil and struggle that you're going through very well may be what God wants to use to bring hope to others. See, we got that kind of God. See, he took his son who had no blemish. We read this in Scripture. And he took on all the sin and punishment of the world. He died a horrible death. But three days later, 
to show that God had power and had love for us. He raised him from the dead so that we may have life and life to the full. Are you willing to embrace that? Are you willing to make that your treasure? Your identity? Are you willing to go now and share with someone else? Today, the only way I want you to respond is to let this weigh heavy on your heart. And I want you to consider, is this the way that I want to live? You'll show it real easily by what you do, right? That's what we're talking about with obedience. But you may have to encourage one another as well, right? So I would encourage you to encourage one another. To love your leadership. To love one another as you already have been. And to yearn, hey, how are we going to do this together? Can you guys do that? Now, if you're interested beyond that, I will tell you this. We love to train existing believers how to make disciples. We absolutely love it. If you were ever interested in how to take someone who was far from God or someone who's an existing Christian, and you couldn't say honestly, I could take them from not knowing anything to, okay, we're going to make them a Bible-dependent Christian who's willing to do this as well. If you would like to do that, we'd like to talk to you. That's what we do. And we absolutely love it. I'm going to end with one story. And then we'll, we'll pray. I'm sitting on a plane. And we're flying from Trinidad, Tobago to Grenada. And this stewardess. We'd helped her out. There was this disgruntled person on the plane. He was unhappy. And we helped. So she thought we were really friendly guys. And she sat down and chatted with us. And we shared the gospel because that's what we do. This young lady sits down and goes, I'm not ready. Then she starts to tell me about how bad it is in her homeland, Trinidad. She goes, don't ever go there. They'll hurt you. They'll probably kidnap you or kill you. We kind of laughed. We said, that's the places we end up going because we see a world full of brokenness. The next words out of her mouth broke my heart. She looks at me and says, when I hear all these bad things, I know that these are the end times. (laughs) This is the end. And I got really scared for a moment. I've got a 20-year-old young lady sitting here on a plane who isn't, says she's not ready to accept who Jesus Christ is, but is aware this is the end and the king is coming soon. So I asked her, I said, do you know what you're saying? She goes, yeah. I said, you know the king is coming soon? She goes, yeah. I said, I have to plead with you some more. Please, why won't you? You know what she said? I usually tell people when I tell the story, she says, I'm just not ready again. No, she started listing all the things in her life that she didn't want to give up.
She was warning me, and I tried to reach out to her and tell her. I was on a flight, but I have a lot of those conversations here as well. I pray that we will be the example that others will see. That we will have such life with each other that others will see our life and yearn for it. I pray that you will embrace that you're the answer. Because I'm hoping that someday some disciple catches her at the right time. And she accepts Christ and follows his ways before the king comes back. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the time that we get to spend together. Lord, may it really be worship. May we celebrate your goodness. Lord, even as I teach these things, I know they weigh heavy on my heart. Lord, I yearn for you. Lord, I pray for this church. I pray for this family. Lord, that you would only increase their love. Lord, where there is offense, I pray that you bring healing and restoration quickly. Lord, that we all would be quick to forgive and that we would be easy and tender. Lord, I pray that we would embrace the messiness. That even as we have church and things aren't right, and even as we have life and things aren't right, that those offenses would never create stumbling blocks for one another. Lord, I pray for the leadership of this church, for Eddie and his family. Lord, I pray that you bless them from the top of their head to the soles of their feet, and may they experience the abundance of your love. May you bring them rest. May you bring them comfort. And where there is discomfort, may you use it to bless others and restore their life as they pour it out. Lord, I pray for us all. Today as we sing that you would stir in our hearts and not in a way that brings guilt and condemnation, but give us eyes to see hope of how you would have us to live and the assurance of your scripture that yes, as we live this way, we will, found a we will find a foundation that doesn't move, an identity that only gives life. Lord, a purpose that is so much bigger than us and so much more fulfilling. Lord, that we would see our loved ones come to know you and even more so that we'd see the nations worship you. Lord, use these, your people. Stir in their hearts now. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.